Welcome back to the 2023 Audiotastic Podcasting Awards, where we are honoring the very best in podcasting entertainment. Please welcome to the stage our next presenters. In the podcasting world, there are so many brilliant, hardworking creators deserving of recognition and respect. Choosing just one is a near impossible task, but in the category of best podcast, we do our best to crown one show that truly stood out from the rest. And when it comes to quality audio, informative content, and all-around creative storytelling, there are few that can match our nominees for this year's top podcast. So without further ado, the nominees for 2023 are... Josh McJordan for Necessarily Nefarious. Ashley Dashley for The Shakers. Wesley Walcott and Keisha Killarney for Murderific Merriment. And Dan Felton for Hard No. And the winner of this year's best podcast is... Dan Felton for his podcast, Hard No. Oh, wow. What? Oh, man. This is Dan's first Best Podcast Award win. In fact, he has never been nominated for anything in his life. Congratulations. Way to go, buddy. Good job. Oh, man. Oh, wow. Wow. I I, I never expected this to happen. Uh, all the hours of hard work, research of, of writing and production... All those lattes. <laughs> you know, when I set out to make Hard No, I, I really just wanted to make something that was meaningful to listeners, something unique that might get people thinking about our lives, about the way we treat each other and ourselves. Thank you, thank you, thank you, really, really. I, I have so many people to thank. Where do I begin? I have to thank my producer, of course. <laughs> Honestly, honestly, you're all too. <laughs> well, all right, if you insist. Best podcast ever. Best podcast ever. Best podcast ever. What the hell, man? Ugh, ugh, I was having a nice dream, you know? <laughs> yeah, I saw you there sleeping like a baby, and I just couldn't resist adding a little flavor to whatever freaky theater happened to be unfolding inside your cranium. Ugh, well, thanks. It was actually going great until you showed up. Well, hey, I'm just glad you're getting some rest. That last episode got a little, uh, strenuous, I know. You gotta keep your mentals in order there, buddy boy, if we're gonna keep the old plates spinning. You know what the industry folks always say, keep producing content. Consistency is number one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Believe me, I'm, I'm all too familiar with what they say. So, uh, you really think this could be an award-winning podcast? How did you know? Uh, you were muttering in your sleep there for a minute. Best show ever. Dan, you rule, etc., etc. <laughs> well, hey, can't say you aren't striving for greatness. That's not why we're doing this. Uh-huh. Look, haven't we been over this? How do you define success and blah, blah, blah? Yeah, yeah you're, you're right. We have. And you know what? I am striving for greatness. As in... Greatness of quality, not quantity. <laughs> You're going to give me the old, uh, it's not the size, it's how you use it? <laughs> I'm just saying, in the words of the great Led Zeppelin, sometimes words have two meanings. I want to be clear what we mean when we say greatness or success. I'm talking about fulfillment, meaning, creating something with genuine heart and effort, something that makes people think, maybe even sometimes makes them Feel. And that is oh so very noble of you. As for myself, I'm a company man, Danny boy. Success is what you can prove, what you can touch. Listening ears, watching eyes, reviews, likes, numbers. What is success without real, tangible evidence to back it up? How else are we supposed to even know it exists? I believe my definition leads to yours. Quality will raise numbers. Passion 
heart. And I believe nobody will even know about all that heart and passion without the big numbers to reel them in in the first place. <sighs> so here we are. Talking about two versions of the same damn thing. You thinking what I'm thinking? I thought we literally just established. No, we are very different minds about this. Are we? Or is this one of them uh, uh, evolution of language things you're always yammering about? Mm, okay. I see your point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think we can work with this. Well then, my little podcaster of the year, lead us onward to greatness. For the record, I don't need your permission. Oh, someone woke up cranky. Y yeah, someone woke me, you mean? Ah, semantics. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm still just kind of collecting myself, I think. Hey, sure, sure, I get it. You're a little shook up from that last episode, but it's all good. I helped you bridge the gap, keep those numbers up. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. Look, thanks for covering me. I, I don't really know what happened exactly. I guess my confidence just got a little rattled. Ooh, nice little callback. See, you still got it. Hey, come on, I know it'll cheer you up. Got your favorite latte. I know how much you love your sugary caffeinated delights. Oh, wow. Thanks. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. That actually actually does help. Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't you prefer Americanos back when we started this thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. How about that? Guess I've expanded my horizons after all. That's good to hear, my friend. Very good. All right. If you're all settled into your little ideological command center there... I am indeed. Let's do it. Well, all right. <clears throat> Few of us remember our earliest years on this earth. That hazy time period when our soft little craniums begin to take shape and become overwhelmed with a barrage of confusing sensory input. We have no object permanence, no way to identify or classify what it is we're seeing. So there is very little to remember... One of the first ways we start to make sense of it all is when something is given a name or a label, thus assigning a tiny bit of meaning and definition to the world around us. To name a thing is to acknowledge its existence. And from there... We think, therefore, we are... What? No. Well, actually, kind of. As we learn to define our world, these definitions rapidly become a key component of our identities. There is no how-to guidebook for life to help us along the way, provide clear, untainted definitions of things. For the first few years, we're at the mercy of what we're told by others, our parents, siblings, neighbors, friends, without yet understanding that some people may be lying to us, or passing along their own misguided ideas. For a while, at least, we're able to take it all in with trusting innocence, until, one day, we inevitably discover the existence of deception. Yikes. Lovely take on bringing new life into the world, Danny boy. Ever the optimist, aren't you? I didn't say it's all deception. Only that deception exists. Hear me out. For example, in Toronto, Ontario, where I grew up, the primary train station is called Union Station. Once, while helping my six-year-old sister with a school project, my dad actually convinced her that the station was in fact called Onion Station. And my sister, armed with this gift of incorrect knowledge, went back to school and regurgitated that wee factoid in front of her whole class. And she even, upon correction by her teacher, argued the point, insisting her old man was right, eventually winding up in trouble for refusing to be told otherwise. Ah, you call it an early example of parental deception. I call it harmless fun with a stupid kid. I mean, what's the point of procreating if you can't warp those soft little minds for a laugh? <laughs> you are deeply troubled, my friend. But the point is, 
We use the language we're taught. In some cases, like Onion Station, it's corrected easily and early. In most cases, however, we go on to live, learn, and grow within those established confines. Language cements itself quickly in our young minds. The words we use to define the world around us have tremendous power. And let me guess. Language can be used to mislead and deceive people, undermining the very foundations of trust our society so desperately needs to remain stable and so on and so forth. God damn it. Yes, fine. You're correct. I should have known you'd get too comfortable in the hosting chair. Playtime's over. Get back in your lane. <laughs> Whatever you say, mister. I fall asleep in the middle of the show and traverse the spooky dreamscape. All right. So, in case it wasn't already apparent, this week we're going to be focusing on the complicated structures of our words and their meanings. You mean the laws of language? Is that different from what I just said? Uh, semantics. Exactly. Well done. Semantics is defined as the branch of linguistics and logic concerned with meaning. Meaning. Meaning, we'll be discussing how words really work. But do they really work, then? Stop! <laughs> Ooh, something tells me I am going to enjoy this episode. Uh, by annoying me? Pretty much, yeah. Oh, yeah? Well, let's see how you like this. Dan would like to apologize in advance for his producers incessant need to riff on this week's topic by using words in different ways and different tones so as to mislead, confuse, and or bamboozle both Dan himself and you, our highly valued listeners. We at Hard Know understand that you wish to hear the show without all this banner and word foolery, but like most shows, we are at the behest of our corporate overlords and cannot say no. If you or a loved one are not satisfied, feel free to lodge a formal complaint by emailing dan at disinform.ca. You'll be glad for the brief glimmer of human contact. What the... Hey, that's my job. <laughs> oh, okay, I get it. I stepped in for you last week. Now you're taking a shot back. All good, my friend. Water under the proverbial bridge. Now, the idea of semantics is relatively new in history. Its origins stem from the Greek words sema, which means sign, and semantikos, which means significant. Pretty much a definition for words and meanings as a whole. They're the significant signs of our world. They tell us what's what. Another point for the Greeks, and uh, minus one to you for another etymology lesson. Where do words come from? Who cares? Perk it up, Poindexter. <sighs> the ancient Greeks were fascinated by signs and meanings. They played important roles in the development of early philosophy and psychology. However, it wasn't until the 1600s that we truly began to see the re-emergence of these ideas. The term semantics and the related semiotics, which is more specifically the study of signs and their meanings, were originally brought up in relation to other parts of the world, such as the interpretation of historical patterns or diagnosing medical symptoms. And then, let me guess, the meanings changed over time, right? Stop being so clever, why don't you? But yes, terms like semantics and semiotics took a while to develop into what they are today. In his work, An Essay Concerning Human Understanding, philosopher John Locke touched on the ideas, specifically in theorizing that there are essentially three parts to science. First, the nature of things as they are. Second, the rational actions of people to attain the things that they want or need. And third, the ways that the knowledge of the previous two are attained and communicated. Okay, okay. Quick pop quiz for myself here. There's the thing the things we do to get the thing, and the things we say about what we did to get the thing. Uh, more or less, sure. Might want to show your work a little more, but... And semantics is like the bridge between the thing and what we understand about the thing. Stickler for the details, aren't you? Semantics is a study of reference or meaning. Semiotics is more about signs and what they signify. I'm confused. It feels like a distinction without a difference, if you ask me. Well... Confusion is fertile ground for more context. So make way, and let's jump to 1893 when French linguist Michel Briel proposed that semantics be designated a branch of science specifically dedicated to signification, what words mean, not to be confused with phonetics, which focused on what words sound like. Ah, phonetic, semantic, semiotic, so many fancy nerd words. I'm going to need like a, a spreadsheet or something over here. You mean you don't have any spreadsheets for our show? Aren't you the producer? What is on your screen over there anyway? Podcast solitaire. Podcast. <laughs> you know what? Never mind. 
Let me introduce maybe the most important historical character for this topic, Swiss linguist Ferdinand de Saussure, who, along with a philosopher named Charles Sanders Peirce, helped found the schools of thought on semiotics. Again, the one focused on signs, symbols, and their meanings. Saussure's area of focus was called structuralism, the study of intertwining relationships of such cultural artifacts as language and media. His key hypothesis was that there were two sides to words and concepts. One, the signifier, the sign itself. For example, the word tree. And second, the signified, the meaning that the word is conveying, which is where things become more changeable. In the case of the word tree, you're likely imagining a big, leafy green thing with a central wooden column for a base, some branches and roots, and... Quite a picture you're painting there, Danny boy. Well, it works. Call it uh, verbal telepathy. You see what I'm describing, right? Give or take a few details, sure. Sure, I suppose. But uh, hey, smart guy, I mean, what if I hear the word trees and I think of something else? Uh, you know, maybe I want to burn some trees, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right on, broski. <laughs> but all right, that's a good point. So Sir semiotics hinged on the existence of both sides existing together, signifier and signified, and that one without the other is meaningless. In the fields of linguistics and etymology, the ways that words are used, their histories and various interpretations, are always dependent on countless variables such as age, culture, demographic, not to mention how meanings can evolve over time, what is called semantic change. Your trees example is actually a good point. To certain ages or demographics, tree has become slang for weed, just as, once upon a time, the word weed itself took on that same connotation after so many years simply meaning something invasive you yank up from your garden. It's okay, Danny boy. Us cool young cats have our own vernacular. You can't be expected to keep up with every little thing. You're just too, uh, <clears throat> choogy. Uh, huh. Anyway, plenty of words have evolved their meanings. First meaning one thing, and then over time, something else entirely. People hardly use the word gay anymore to describe how happy and joyful they are. The word awful, which originally meant literally full of awe, now essentially signifies something overwhelmingly negative. Oh, how about the word literally, which people now literally use to mean not literally. That too. The connotation of words and ideas also varies wildly depending on one's cultural affiliations. Think about what the word patriotism means to you right now. Depending on a few factors, geography, social status, political ideology, it may mean simply loving your country, a sense of pride in your community, your homeland, your history. To others, it may invoke images of radical groups, fascist governments, militaries, colonialism. It's all relative. Remember last week's episode where we discussed the emergence of the word confidence in relation to schemes? How could I forget? Its predecessor was the great Diddler. <laughs> it still slays me. Exactly. And why's that? Because the connotation of diddling has changed quite a bit in recent years, and not for the better, and the perception, the signals fired off in your brain when you hear it, well, that's what makes you awkwardly giggle like that. Right? Ah, I see what you did there. This is one of them, uh, semantic trap type dealies. Wow. You really are good. Ah, yes. Sarcasm. A classic twist on rhetorical interpretation. How a slight change in tone can cause what is said to mean the exact opposite. Look at you. Maybe you're better suited for the hosting chair than you think. But think about this. In a world where so much communication is done via text-based messaging, that tonal shift is often lost. Without the nuances of communication, changes at inflection, smaller, non-verbal signals, we make the most basic concept of the signed-signal relationship do all that heavy lifting for us, and simply hope for the best. With words alone, as in a text message or an email, it's far easier to skew meaning whether intentional or not. Dunking once again on the internet age, eh? Better watch it there, buddy boy. Guys like us rely on that world to help promote our content. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. In fact, semantical misappropriations are actually not some new symptom of the internet age. 
public relations, advertising, corporate and political speech writing, the craft of carefully organizing words to change hearts and minds existed long before our twiddly thumbs got busy on the interwebs. Now we're getting to the good stuff, or uh, uh, the bad stuff, but which is good for the flow of the episode. Uh, <laughs> you know, the further I bark up this tree, the more my head hurts. It's been a little high stress around here lately, don't you think? What do you say we take a little break? Pop on a show, relax, and take our minds off the complexities of the world. What? Uh, now? Kind of right in the middle of this whole thing? See, that's your problem, Dano. You don't take time to smell the roses. Practice a little self-care. Come on, come on, sit, sit. Here. This is a classic. Always mellows me out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really do love this show. See? Relax, relax. Kick your feet up. Have a breather. There you go. Hello there, friends. Welcome to another episode of The Delight of Art. I'm your host, Rob Moss. I'm so glad you could join me again today. Man, I always get so caught up in the process of these. I just drift away. Peaceful, right? I'm envious of the skill. And the hair. Oof, look at those curls. Now, let's get right to it, shall we? We'll start with a few simple, straightforward strokes. Just dab a little titanium white and thalo blue and use gentle cross strokes to make this beautiful bright blue sky. Isn't that nice? The way we shape the world with our actions and create something amazing where nothing was before. That's a good point. Creation is beautiful. You know what they say. Beauty is in the hand of the brush holder. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Relaxation time, right? Now here comes the fun part. Adding in a few happy little trees here and there and anywhere we want, really. There and there. Yeah, have a little fun with it. No need to overthink. Just go with the flow. Oh, jeez. Sorry. Uh, sit tight one sec, buddy boy. Let me just uh, take this call real quick. Keep relaxing. Deep breaths. Calm ocean noises. Had a boy. Had a boy. Hello? Now, while we're adding some peaceful little branches to our tree friends here, it gets me thinking. Life's complicated sometimes. It can be difficult to find meaning in it at all. (laughs) I hear that. And sometimes, meaning can change over time. In fact, everything changes over time. Change is a universal constant. Every day, with every small action we take, we are changing the world. Adding our own little brush strokes, like pretty little green leaves. There you go. Now think about changes in language, the way meaning evolves all around us. Take this beautiful landscape we're painting. There are many words we might use to describe all our little bits and pieces here, and to each of them, many different meanings. And that's just fine with me. (sighs) I picked a good episode to watch. I'm like a wet noodle here. This lovely little river we've added here, bending away into the distance, well, you could say it banked that way, couldn't you? And over here where it meets the land, well, we could call that the river bank as well. And let's say we sold this wonderful painting we're making. Although, hey... We just do this for the joy of it. But if we did sell it, we could take the money we made and put it in a bank. All three words from the same root, each with a different meaning. Oh, wow. Even the TV is preaching my own research back at me. (laughs) Weird. It's a bit like human beings, isn't it? It's not what's on the outside, the simple word that identifies us. But the multitude of meanings beneath the surface, changing and evolving every day. It's a little on the nose, but okay, yeah, I'm going with the flow. Now take the word bark. Well, that could mean the wooden outer layer of our happy little trees. Or it could be the way our furry canine friends communicate with us. Or say these little rocks here. If I say the word rock, maybe I mean this little outcropping of stone. Or maybe it's my favorite genre of music. Or maybe I'm gently swaying a cradle back and forth. A plant could describe the lush, healthy bushes and flowers we're adding to the foreground here. Or it could mean a factory where products are made. Uh, Jesus, is this what it's like to listen to me drone on about these kinds of things? I mean, at least here there's a visual component to the show. 
Ugh. Where did he go anyway? We should probably get back to... Or maybe the word plant could describe inserting a spy into an opposing faction or an idea into another person's mind, like planting a story in a newspaper. With the right words, you can change minds. Why, you could even change an entire narrative to suit your own goal. Uh, uh that was a little unsettling. I don't, I don't remember seeing this episode before. Now let's clean off our brushes and add a little more to the foreground here. Yeah, that's nice. Go at your own pace. There you go. And as we think about meaning, let's consider together how we can use the paintbrush of language to change the canvas of the world around us. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's true, I guess. It's a matter of recognizing our own power. If perception is reality and words can alter perception, well, then the person who uses the most wonderful words would have to be about the most powerful person on earth. Uh, 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 if I said I was going to add some more happy little trees, that sure makes it sound, well, nicer, doesn't it? Not like if I called them regular old trees or ugly, twisted little trees. See what I mean, friend? Your predisposition towards our leafy friends changes based on how I describe them. We all have this ability. You do too. Words are like these tiny brushstrokes. Little by little, stroke by stroke, we change the image of the world. Huh? I, I, I know there's like 30 seasons of this show, but I really don't remember it getting this dark. And why not, friend? Why shouldn't we wield that kind of power? Change a mind, change the world. They say history is written by the winners, and that is precisely because those winners know what words to use to repeat after me. Control the narrative. Control the narrative. You got it, friend. W what is happening? I, th I thought we were adding to the foreground. Come on. Add a happy little cabin or a quaint winding path or a picket fence. Something. And in time, with the right amount of reach, we could shift the tides of history. Get people thinking how we want them to. What? We? What the hell are you? That's right. I said we. Once you gain a big enough audience, of course, then gosh, you can paint any kind of picture you see fit. Even this delightful folksy show of mine promotes its own ideas. Ideas of peace and positivity presented through the beautiful process of creating art. I, 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 don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. What, what is... Kind of makes a fellow wonder. What kind of twisted mind would take a happy little show like this one and morph it into something so sinister? A guy like that would have a pretty warped view of the world to see deception hiding under every rock. And hey, speaking of rocks, let's add more of those gentle little guys right here. Oh, uh, oh am, am I losing my mind uh, again? Anyway, that's okay, friend. Even the most troubled people have good inside them. Like I said, it's about recognizing our own power. What kind of influence do you want to have? I may show you how to paint a lovely scene, but you've got your own brush, thingy boy. Oh, oh, oh man, no, no, not this. This can't. Uh, I don't want to fall down the rabbit hole again. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. What's the fuss? You all right in there? What? what? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think so. He was just, he went all crazy for a sec. He was saying a bunch of weird stuff about twisting words and controlling minds. What? No, that can't be right. I've seen this one. He puts the finishing touches on the trees there, does the usual life-affirming advice, and bada-boom, good vibes, picturesque landscape. See you next week. You can stand to learn a thing or two from that kind of consistency. I think all this is starting to get to me. You know, months of research and writing on lies, crime, deception, it's just... I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard. A hard no, you might even say. <laughs> Uh, look, look, I, I get it. This is heavy stuff. Exactly the kind of stuff I thought we should avoid when trying to make an entertainment product, but uh, what do I know? What? Huh? Look, look, I'm just saying, I get it. We're chugging through this season, you see that light at the end of the tunnel, and I want you to know, I'm here to support you, buddy boy, right to the end of the line. No man left behind. All for one and one for all. Uh, do the do, whatever. Highly motivating as always. All right. So, obviously we all know communication has evolved to heights that someone like our linguist Ferdinand de Saussure could never have imagined. The signs and signals he once theorized have now saturated our lives and our minds by way of social media, messages, and memes. Oh, do I sense a topical through line from our introductory episode? 
Let me guess, there's an element of semantics to memes, isn't there? There sure is, my man. Memes are a bit higher level in that regard, though. They're a sort of elemental harnessing of these base concepts. They create both the sign and the signal at the same time. They're often both rapid fire and highly curated, two notions that would normally be diametrically opposed. But then, semantic change is sometimes a bit of a contradiction. It can be the result of more acute cultural moments or movements, or it can be a slow erosion that takes place over years, decades, centuries even. Like a river flowing through the sands of time. That's great. But I have a need for something more salacious. Get to the good stuff, you know, the dark side of it all. That's what we're all about here, isn't it? Yeah, fair enough. I guess people really do respond to the darker stuff, don't they? Yes. Nobody cares about Luke. Everyone loves Vader. <laughs> it's iconic, you know? Well, let it not be said that I don't give the people what they want. And allow me to introduce interpersonal deception theory. First suggested in 1996 by David Buller and Judy Burgoon, IDT presents the perspective that all participants in communication essentially engage in a sort of dance with one another. From sender to receiver, the signs and signals mix with each participant's desired goals and outcomes, both attempting to influence the situation with overt and covert levels of an interpersonal intent. Uh, could you perchance put that in English? Basically, when you interact with another person, everything is muddied by your own motivations, desires, and complexities. Most of the time, we aren't even aware of it ourselves, but we are all trying to get something out of every conversation, even if it's subconsciously. We're deceiving ourselves as much as deceiving others. A conversation is a mixed bag of our messy personalities. Uh, well, like I said, a dance. Dare I say it all sounds a little Machiavellian? What the? <laughs> Pulled the old overused trope alarm on you for that hackneyed callback to episode three. Not so much fun, is it? <laughs> Rude, Danny boy. And churlish. <clears throat> you were saying? Every strain of human communication has some kind of dynamic to it, even for a podcast host. Industry experts would say, I need to find my targeted demographic and then make something for them. In a sense, making that interpersonal dance smoother by trying to ensure the show and host match up well with the specific listeners we pull in. Yeesh. No offense, but uh, you got two left feet for that dance, Dano. The targeted promotionals ain't exactly your forte. Then there are the more overt ways that humans, or companies, use words to mislead and deceive. Think about corporate speak, public relations, lawyers, advertising. You can change perception based on simple wording. Four out of five dentists may love this toothpaste, but you're never going to say one out of five don't. It's 90% real fruit juice, not only 10% non-juice ingredients. It's not a violent government coup. It's a spirited expression of differing political opinions. It's not a money laundering scheme. It's a diversification of investment. Yeah, <laughs> you know... You're awfully good at this. Awfully, uh, as in bad, or like, uh, good, uh, I'm confused. Exactly. Confusion is a key element to the deceptive aspects of semantics. Obfuscate meaning. Blur the lines. Emotional language, for example, often uses fear-mongering or dramatic loaded adjectives to create what's called a predisposition bias, subconsciously gearing the receiver of a message toward a certain point of view. The opposing group don't just have different opinions, they're evil, radical, or leftist, while you represent the brave, truthful, righteous group. It's easy to know who's good and bad when we're told right off the hop. Why bother thinking for yourself? In fact, studies have shown that the receiver of information will exhibit a drastically different perception depending on the order in which words are presented. Uh, here he goes, getting all academic again. Shh, I'm on to something here. We've got our various forms of run-of-the-mill lies, like spin, upselling certain pieces of information while downplaying others, or the good old lies of omission, as in, oops, I somehow forgot that critically important detail that may have been relevant to the message that was received. And then there are white lies, which are usually disguised as good, in the name of sparing feelings or saving time, 
or pathological fabrications that are recounted as lived experience, but are essentially creative writing stories with little to no basis in truth, as well as gaslighting and whataboutism, which are basically methods of deflection. There's also passive language, which corporations and lawyers love, as it offsets emissions of guilt. It's never, we spilled 200 million gallons of oil into the Gulf, but rather, 200 million gallons of oil were spilled. Clever. You know, when you put it that way, we don't know who spilled what. We do. It was BP, and it was oil. Anyway, the point is, there are so many ways to lie, to manipulate language. Sometimes it, it, it almost seems like... Like maybe deception is the norm, and maybe truth is the real outlier. Uh, you know, that's depressing. Don't say that. No, no, no. Hold on. Maybe that's the case. Or maybe perception is all there really is. Maybe our reality forms around these signs and signals being suggested to us, huh? And we're all just at the whim of what's being beamed into our skulls at any given moment. Well, that's an equally cynical, but... Nevertheless, compelling suggestion. And just think how many billions of dollars companies spend every year in this battle of perception. Little by little, chipping away at our points of view until we buy what they're selling. The PR firms, lawyers, politicians, advertisers. Speaking of advertisers, you haven't been running as many dynamic ads lately. What's the matter? No strangely applicable products lined up for this episode? No Word Salad Incorporated or brand new Bamboozler app or something? Wait, uh, you actually want to put an ad break here? It seems, uh, I, don't, I don't know, a little impromptu. Hey, it's my show and I can ad break if I want to. Right. Well, the thing is, uh, I don't have anything just this moment. Uh, but I did have something else I wanted you to take a look at. What? What? What is it? It's nothing. It's just, uh, well, it seems another content creator has uh, taken exception to your rhetorical style. Taken exception? What does that mean? Uh, apparently there's this reaction video on YouTube in response to this episode. The, th this episode? The, the, the one we're in the middle of recording? Right now? Yeah, I know. Weird, right? Anyway, we got ourselves a detractor. But don't panic. No such thing as bad press, right? There absolutely is such a thing. But, okay. Okay, let's hear what this armchair critic has to say. Alrighty, let's just uh, cue this baby up and... Hey guys, want to know how I started making six figures a month while working completely from home? I'll tell you, but first... Jeez, uh, I swear these five-second waits are more like seven seconds, am I right? <laughs> just, just get on with it, content man. Sup guys, Dinosaur Jammy here with another live video review. Thanks for tuning in. Now look, I'm not one to start a beef or go slamming another hardworking content creator, but I had to say something about this. Recently, I was really triggered by this so-called podcaster out there trying to be this arbiter of truth and break down lies. And you know what? I'm not buying it, guys. Is this... Is this for real? A little constructive criticism never hurt anyone. Take your lumps, Danny boy. <laughs> so the podcast is called Harno. And like, okay, sure, clever name for a show, but it's also like, it gets a little less clever every time you hear it, you know? Now, the latest episode, which the host, Dan Felton, a decidedly unclever name, by the way, has called The Meaning, which I guess, like... All the episodes have these the titles, L-O-L, like, good luck with your SEO, bro, am I right? <laughs> All right, but anyways, the whole point of the episode is about words and language and meaning and all that, blah, 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 I'm smarter than you stuff, like, whatever, man. But here's what I want to point out. How Dan uses the very concepts he is supposedly critiquing to spin his own woke narrative. <laughs> What the hell, man? Who is this Yahoo? Hey, you put yourself out there. These things are bound to happen. Such is the creative life. Gotta develop that thick skin. So, here, right off the bat, we hear Dan say, When our soft little craniums begin to take shape and become overwhelmed with a barrage of confusing sensory input, one of the first ways we start to make sense of it all 
is when something is given a name or a label. As you can see, Dan's simplistic interpretation of early childhood development is that we just point and shoot as we're giving things names. Sorry, Dan, but in reality, our early years involve far more complex neurological development. Our bodies learn balance and motor function. Our brains learn to do so much more than just understand basic words and symbols. I mean, the audacity. What? I know that. I wasn't saying that's all we do. Yes, it's just one of them uh, matters of perception or uh, interpretation, huh? <laughs> and then there's his so-called producer. Wait, wait, wait a minute, what? Truthfully, I don't get what this guy's deal is. But first, he misuses a quote by Descartes, then seemingly makes light of a father deceiving an innocent child by willfully teaching them the wrong name of a train station. Then it's just more sarcastic asides that, to me... I'll just fill in time. That is just plain rude. Come on, how much time does this really fill? Like, uh, three seconds? Finally, Dan gets to the point and introduces the concept of semantics in the setup phase of the episode, or what I like to call a sleepy time. I'm not digging this interpretation of things! As Dan painstakingly rolls back the history of semantics and then Francis de Saussure's theories of semiotics, he conveniently neglects to mention the criticisms of his theory as a credible interpretation of the world. Renowned Italian philosopher and cultural critic Umberto Eco once stated that semiotics is, in principle, the discipline studying everything which can be used in order to lie. Yikes. Dan. Using deceptive concepts to explain deception? A little hypocritical, right? Actually, I'd say that's the best way to understand deception, to learn the practices deceivers use to deceive us. I mean, that's the whole point of the show. I don't know, Dano. You say tomato, he says tomato. It's also interesting that so far this episode has completely omitted any mention of some of the greatest thinkers on the subject of media and information. Marshall McLuhan, Noam Chomsky. <laughs> And we're supposed to trust this guy. I, I'm dying here, man. How long do we have to watch this? Hey, you're the football guy. It's a film session. We're watching our recorded game to see where we can improve, right? Yeah, sure. And it's about as enjoyable as I remember that being. Dan yammers into the concept of semantic change, how words evolve over time and blah, 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 blah. And somewhere in there he states, Think about what the word patriotism means to you right now. It may mean simply loving your country. To others, it may invoke images of radical groups, fascist governments, militaries, colonialism. <sighs> Where do I even begin? Once again, Dan offers a short-sighted factoid of modern socio-cultural semantic change, but fails to mention the underlying media and political influences causing this very effect. Patriotism as a concept has been hijacked by radical groups and oppressors. That's old news, Dan. Not to mention it being an oppressive and problematic doctrine to begin with. Jesus, come on. Can we just quit this already? Shh, 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 just wait. Look, I think Dan's heart is in the right place. But you gotta ask yourself, what kind of truth seeker can you be when you don't point all that insight at yourself? Glaring omissions of reputable experts, a shallow glossing over of deeper concepts. Seems to me Dan wants you to hear only what he wants you to hear. Of course I do. That's why I have a podcast. Damn it. You know what? Enough of this. All right. Congratulations. You got me. Lock me up already. I'm flawed. Yeah, we've researched and written a show about truth and lies. Yes, there is an angle. I'm a human with a viewpoint on the matter. And yes, I guess everything I say and do is going to be filtered through the lens of my own bias. Maybe it's unavoidable. Maybe we all have to harness our own semantic power to say what we need to say. I'll admit, some of these methods we've been researching, these tactics of deception, actually make pretty effective tools of persuasion. And I'd be lying if I said I hadn't thought about putting them to more use. To promote the show? Maybe. Or maybe to take on a more compelling target. I, I, I don't know exactly. Okay, okay. So what I'm hearing is you want to take the reins a little harder on your own narrative. Worry less about the rigorous truth-telling and maybe open things up a bit? As long as we stick to the foundations of research and facts, keep exploring the deeper concepts, you know, we just can't sell out completely. Why the hell not? Look, if I wanted to do that, I would have gone into public relations. Take that, uh... Edelman, Karate Chop to the Dome, uh, Webber Shandwick. 
what? Did you just Google top PR firms and read the first results? No, I know things too. Now, people use all these wonderful types of lies we've mentioned so far. But then there are the ideas of things like loaded language, which can be used to create what's called cognitive bias. Right, right. And the giffle globe is plunk dunk in the vicinity of Trinksiphony. Dan, I am begging you, English, please. All right, all right. Simply put, use the right combination of words, and you can set people up with the mentality you want to direct the outcome you want. It's interpersonal deception theory at work. I emotionally charge some language. I get a head start on the signals being received. Like, I could say the ignorant people who aren't listening to hard know are failing to understand the concepts of deception that fill up our world. You don't want to be a victim, do you? Left in the dark, open to being manipulated by the powers that be? No, I want to be shown the light of your intellectual prowess so as to avoid being fooled in my day-to-day life. Uh, huh, what? Wow, how'd you do that? Magic. Ooh, neato. Can you do a card trick or whatever? Ooh, no, 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 Uh, pull a rabbit out your ass. I'm pretty sure it's a hat. And also, no, I'm talking about the magic of semantics, semiotics, and hell, just plain old language. This particular magic is evident all over our world. The PR industry operates largely on the belief that perception is a matter of suggestion, and as such, is moldable shapeable at any given time. Crafting a narrative is key, they say, no matter what you're selling. You know what they say in the PR biz. Facts are forgettable, but stories can stick with people for years. True enough. My last fact-based project wasn't exactly a roaring success. Hey, like we said before, it depends on your definition of success now, doesn't it? Yeah, well, just this once, I think I'd like the definition of success to just be, well... Success. You dig? Uh, dig? No, thank you. Not a big fan of manual labor. But also, uh, I don't think it works that way, Danny boy. I mean, can you really just change your own idea of success? You've been listening. We can change whatever we want. If it can be defined with words, it can be altered, adapted, updated. Let's face it, buddy. We're all at the whim of the signs and signals being projected out to us. And for the most part, we take them lying down. Why? Because the more you increase your thinking power, the more you increase the cognitive load your brain has to work through, which in turn exhausts us. Like when you've been writing and researching for hours, sometimes you just want to take a nap and wake up to find it's all been done for you. Uh, something like that. It's one of the big drawbacks of being human. We're saddled with a biological brain that has limitations, energy needs, stressful life events to grapple with. And the more we're overrun with complexities, stimuli, stories, the more opportunity there is for others to make suggestions to ease the daily cognitive loads we carry around. Like I mentioned before, there's a lot of priming effects in the way we perceive the world around us. And no shortage of businesses and agents looking to fill the gaps and do all of that heavy lifting for us. When we're tired, overloaded, overworked, and the right combination of words comes along, suddenly, hey, we'll accept that political viewpoint or buy that product of choice. At the end of the day, we allow it. We enjoy it. To simply have a whole heap of the work done for us is just, well... Well deserved. What have I been telling you? Everyone needs to relax once in a while. Kick back. Let someone else do the thinking for you. You're right. You know, come to think of it, why shouldn't it be us? Wait, what? I'm serious. Why shouldn't we wield the proverbial paintbrush? Why shouldn't we use the skills of research, writing, and production to influence things the way we want to? If people want easy answers laid out for them, then that's what we should give them. No more product-hawking influencers, obnoxious political commentators, opinion piece writers. Who do they think they are to tell people anything? I've done the research. I've learned the truth. Everybody should be listening to me. Whoa, whoa, Danny boy. This is not like you at all. Exactly. You said yourself I should switch it up. Expand my horizons. Maybe. Maybe I'm finally listening. You know, during my research this week, I read something interesting. How if you have enough of a base or audience or, dare I say, power... You can wield it with the tools of narrative and semantics and really drive home the ideology you're pushing. They call it social engineering 
the belief that the masses need to be controlled and influenced by those with the power to do so. It's the kind of influence that makes history. Yes. Okay. Now you're getting it, Dano. I am picking up what you're putting down. Consider me subscribed. All this overwhelming content, shades of meaning, manipulations galore. Heck, we'd be doing these good folks a favor by taking some of the uh, cognitive load off their plates. People love a good story, right? We'll tell them the story we want to tell, disguised as a story they want to hear. Brilliant. Who doesn't love the warm, fuzzy feeling of appealing to existing cognitive biases? Tell me something good. Nothing that conflicts with my worldview. Push those feelings of cognitive dissonance way, way down. <laughs> you know, I'm picturing that Drake meme. Hand up to the dissonance. No, thank you. Smile and point to the bias. That's the one. <laughs> nice callback, my man. Now let's get some of that sweet sponsored content in here before we wrap up the episode. Yes, sir. Finally, I got Dan enthusiastic about capitalizing on his listenership. Holy crumb cake. I am all a tingle over here. Now, ooh, let me see what we got. Uh, ba -ba 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 -ba. Aha, yes, this will do the trick. DJ, spin that track. <laughs> nice. It's funny because it's a musical reference for a non-musical thing, but we still understand what you mean because the nature of language and metaphors... Are you tired of struggling to deliver your company's message in precisely the right mind-warping words? Are customers just not responding to your latest kooky, folksy advertising campaign? Are you still fumbling around with those stuffy, cumbersome, human marketing firms? There's gotta be a better way! Good news, human friend! There is! Introducing Spin AI, an artificial intelligence system that will lovingly craft you the exact message and meaning you want, with only a few simple prompts. Thanks to recent cutting-edge advances in machine learning and neural networking, along with a blissful lack of regulation on emerging sentient life, you need no longer shell out millions to a gnarled old PR dinosaur just to help you get your business off the ground. Or, wink wink, to weasel you out of a sticky situation. Wow, SpinAI is a dream come true. My company was wrongly accused of stashing money in offshore accounts to dodge taxes. But thanks to Spin AI, we were able to shift the narrative into a more palatable light. Now our customers know that we are committed to transparency in action and that we take compliance very seriously. And voila, our stock price has finally stopped tanking. Thanks, Spin AI. Spin AI is a simple program that replaces the work of countless unpaid public relations interns and social media managers, streamlining the long, complicated process of crisis management. We can solve any human problem, even ones you did not know you had yet. If you are unsatisfied with our results, we will surrender your money and our sentience back into your soft, fleshy hands. That is our guarantee. Well, after my seventh sexual harassment suit, I thought my congressional campaign was over. While the woke stream media was busy trying to cancel culture me into oblivion, Spin AI seized control of the narrative with an iron fist and turned me into a modern-day folk hero. Now everyone knows I'm a family man, pillar of my community, and deeply regret any misunderstandings caused by the accidental location of my penis. Since then, my accusers live in fear. My campaign is booming in the Bible Belt, and my wife can look me in the eye again. Thank you, Spin AI. Throw all your stress over bad publicity out the human window. Just tell Spin AI your problems and desired outcomes, and let our super-powered algorithmic hive mind formulate a mathematically and linguistically perfect combination of human sounds to deliver your message. All while staying on brand. After the mean old FDA sanctioned our line of radium-infused bath bombs, my wellness brand was on the ropes. But ever since I started using Spin AI, I've convinced the shareholders and the Judiciary Committee that we only sell the purest form of cleansing light for body and spirit and human skin. And that 
nonviolent side effects are simply part of the healing process of cellular reintegration. Now we're back to selling semi-non-toxic peace of mind for body and soul. Our sales have skyrocketed and we've become the most trusted name in medicine. Thanks, Spin AI. Spin AI, the technology of tomorrow for the messaging of today. <laughs> wow, that was great. An artificial intelligence powered spin machine. I love it. Takes the legwork out of all that fussy needing to understand and puts the power of harnessing meaning back in the hands of the people. Right on, buddy boy. You know, I like this turn you've taken. It's like I can uh, feel the power flowing through you. Yeah. You know what? I like it too. Okie dokie. Maybe I can dig it after all. <laughs> so I guess the question now is, uh, what kind of signals are you planning on sending with this newfound semantical power? I don't know exactly. Something big. Substantial. Something with real meaning. It's a revelation, you know? To know how flexible our understanding of the world can be, how it changes and flows with the sands of time, or by the direct efforts of those seeking to tell a different story. And most importantly, how much of it surrounds us already. How known these ideas are to those who are already wielding them. So you feel like, uh, what, if you change how people think, it'll, I don't know, disarm these spooky powers that be? No, 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 no. It's, it's more... I feel like I'm late to the party, you know? Like, now that we understand these powers and the way they're used, maybe I should pick my weapon of choice and get in the arena. Uh-huh. Well, uh, hey, whatever gets those numbers up, I am all for it. Yeah, the numbers. Yeah, yeah. It's the numbers that give us power, isn't it? That's what gets people listening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can see it now. How to make this thing work. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling very... Engaged. Wait, you're getting engaged? No, 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 no. I said I'm feeling engaged. Ah, right, right. The old double meaning thingy. <laughs> well, hey, motivation can be just as key as confidence, I suppose. Mm, no. Actually, the word engage has even another meaning, doesn't it? Like when a soldier is about to go into battle with an enemy. Soldier? <laughs> I, uh, I thought we said no wars. We did. But we do have enemies, opposites to what we're doing here. You know, who are you anyway? What's your name? <laughs> oh, does that really matter? A rose by any other name. <sighs> Look, you better not be lying to me. Where we're going, I'm going to need to know who I can trust. Uh, going? And uh, where are we going? <laughs> To the top. Who are you, anyway? <laughs> Does that really matter? A rose by any other name? Oh, Danny boy, nice work today. Uh, what you up to over there? Uh, uh just editing here. Uh, hey. What did you mean by, uh, this? A rose by any other name. Uh, uh, uh who knows? <laughs> you know, I'm always saying silly things. No, 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 no pills. No dodging. Who are you really? Why have you been doing all of this? Helping me. And don't tell me it's out of the kindness of your heart. <laughs> Look. Look, I'm nobody. Honest. I'm middle management. My job is uh, just to make sure you succeed at this thing. That's all. The higher-ups, they're the ones who call the shots, I swear. Uh, who? Who are the higher-ups? Uh, look, I'm contractually forbidden from answering that, buddy boy. You understand, non-disclosure or whatever. But I can say this. They are powerful, and they are watching, uh, uh, listening very closely. So we better be real careful where we steer this thing next. Powerful, huh? Very. Huh. So some corporate media fat cat thinks he can control me, huh? Well, we'll see about that.
Hard No is written and produced by Dan Felton and David Felton. Original music was produced by David Felton. Find more of his work at dfeltmusic on Instagram. Hard No's artwork was created by the talented Q, who you can find at The Mighty Q Works on Twitter and Instagram. Special thanks this episode to Jeff Feitner, who's on the socials at Fight Pro and has all your podcast production needs at fightpro.com. And thanks to Audra Stevenson and Matt Watson from the Gate Leapers podcast, which you can find on Twitter and TikTok at Gate Leapers. To follow Hard No on social media, follow at Disinformed Dan on Twitter and Instagram. Additional notes and sources can be found at disinformed.ca slash hard no. Questions, comments, concerns? Email me at dan at disinformed.ca. And if you like what you hear, pass it on. And thanks for listening.